Take a seat, young Skywalker. now if you're listening to this then you have found yourself something good welcome back to another episode of the barber's chair i'm your host austin maddox and today we're going to be talking a little bit a little bit more about animals and uh, we're going to have noah howard uh, as a guest interview on the show here in just a few minutes Uh, before we get to that i have to say that i have had a uh, just a a mind-shattering experience here this last week, something that has uh, is really shaken me to my core, I have to admit. Uh, I was able to go uh, back to Indiana, and I saw my folks this weekend, or this past week, I should say. Um, my younger sister Amy had uh, her wisdom teeth removed, so while she was laid up, we decided uh, we'd watch some movies, and uh, we ended up going back and watching some of the old Disney classics, and I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, you watch those over and over again when you're a kid, but somehow, after perhaps you graduate high school or start finding different movies interesting, you just kind of leave those things behind. But it's nice to kind of go back and revisit some of those fond memories. And they were fond memories until I I made a discovery. We were watching the movie Fox and the Hound. And I have to admit, this is just, it's broken me. It really has. As we're watching Fox and the Hound, uh, you might remember that the main fox character, the male fox character, his name is Todd. And later on in the movie, he meets Vixie, the female fox. And uh, they, they settle down, as it were, in the animal kingdom. Well, I started becoming very interested in what an actual male fox is called, uh, I knew that female foxes were called vixens. So I looked up what a male fox is called. And it pains me to say that a male fox is a Todd. It's a Todd. Way to be creative there, Disney. Uh, don't go out of your way uh, as far as any creativity is concerned. Uh, let's just, uh, uh, you can only imagine what this pitch meeting must have been like uh, that day at Disney. Well, see, we've got this movie here, and it's about, uh, it's about a, a, a hound dog and a fox and their friends. Well, what should we name this fox? Well, we've got a creative name for the dog. Well, how do you name a fox? No one does anyone here have a pet fox? No. Uh, well, what what is a male fox called? Well, they're called. You can either call them a dog. There's actually three names. I should clarify. Uh, they're dogs. Oh, well, no, we we've already got uh, a dog in the film. That that might be uh, a little confusing for our younger viewers. Uh, what else you got? Well, they're also called Reynards. Yeah, Reynard the fox, that's uh, that's just not going to work. Well, uh, you know, the other option is a Todd. You can call him a Todd. And hey, that sounds pretty good. No one will be the wiser. Or so they thought. 
and they have gotten away with it for far too long, and now we are revealing the truth here on this episode that Disney is lazy in naming their characters. You might think this is the only situation, but oh no, it goes far deeper, I'm afraid. And it's, it's much deeper than I ever thought it was. You look at movies such as The Jungle Book, the beloved classic, not by me, but other people apparently, uh, The Jungle Book. And you have characters like Bagheera, the Black Panther, and Baloo, the bear. Ironically, in Hindi, the language, Bagheera means Black Panther, and Baloo means bear. Once again, well done, Disney, on your creativity. We might point out, uh, you might go to the Lion King. If you're watching the Lion King, the main lion there is Simba. Interesting en interestingly enough, Simba in Swahili means lion. Once again, they're just overwhelming us with their immense creativity and their exceptional writing skills. But that's not all. Timon is, uh, is actually not such a name, but it's Pumbaa. And we know them, uh, you know, they're, they're best of friends there. Uh, but Pumbaa is, is also a Swahili name, not for Warthog, but it turns out for his entire character arc. Pumbaa in Swahili means one who is foolish or thoughtless. Uh, one who is uh, silly is also another word for that. And of course, this is basically Pumbaa in a nutshell. He is known as the silly one, as the comic relief of the film. Again, just giving it all to us right there in the name. It, it makes it so much easier. Uh, imagine if you lived uh, in a place that spoke uh, Swahili and you're watching The Lion King for the first time, how disappointing would that be? I mean, honestly, I feel sorry for these people. I had no idea. That would be the equivalent if, you know, well, it's all right there in the name. It's all right there in the name. If uh, we just called things by their generic name, and never took any thought as to how we're presenting it uh, to people, that, that's just creative, it's a creative farce. It's a creative uh, tragedy. It really is. So it's, it's disgusting to me on this level. Now, uh, not so much, obviously not an animal, but it even goes to this realm, and perhaps you already know this, um, perhaps this is something you've heard before, but uh, in Beauty and the Beast, okay, the main uh, character is Belle, which in French means beautiful. How convenient, Disney, that uh, you have a movie called Beauty and the Beast, and instead of relying upon, oh, I don't know, character arc, story development or anything of this nature, why don't we just put it in, in uh, just in the name? And ironically, I feel kind of sorry for the Beast, who is, uh, who was formerly a prince. Uh, we don't know exactly uh, 
you know, what became of him after uh, him and Bell, you know, met. I, I don't know if they, uh, if he was able to get the throne back or not. It's one of those things that uh, will just always be a mystery as to uh, how he chose to live out his life. Uh, maybe he got a book deal or something was written down. Uh, perhaps all these wonderful uh, Disney character names. Because his name is, for all intents and purposes, uh, Beast. <laughs> we never know what his actual name is. So um, it seems likely that he was colluding in some sort of way with Disney for their creative style. So in a fit of disbelief, uh, my entire childhood is now shattered. I seek to look up what a male and female mouse is called, what their technical name is. Um, because if, if a male mouse was called Mickey, I was, I was going to lose my mind. That was going to be the end. That was the final straw. Thankfully, uh, mice, uh, males are known as bucks and females are known as does and baby mice are known as pinkies. Uh, for those of you who care now be thankful that at least in Disney's early days, uh, we did not end up with Bucky and Doey the Mouse uh, that would entertain us for uh, for generations to come. Thankfully, we have Mickey and Minnie, if you want to consider that um, an improvement. I suppose it is an improvement. Uh, it's a little less on the nose, at least, so I'll give them points for that, although very few points, because I'm still slightly miffed. Now, this is not to say that I'm boycotting Disney or that I don't uh, even, uh, it's not even that I don't like those movies. I, I do. I think they're, they're very good, um, but I'm just incredibly disappointed, and uh, we found Disney's weakness, and that's the ability to name characters beyond their initial feature or their perhaps lone character arc, um, and going to just some other language in order to do it. Ironically, the language that is present in the location where the movie is set. So, very uh, tacky on that part. So, that's my two cents worth. I, I need to get that off my chest and, and raise some awareness about this issue because this is one of those issues that's just not being talked about. Um, and I don't know why it's not. You know, there's uh, we've got all these news media outlets, and there's not one article uh, currently out right now that's uh, that's addressing this tragedy, uh, bringing this to light to the general public. So I, I take it upon myself as a as a warrior for justice and truth to proclaim such things, such tragedies and bring light to these things. So consider yourself informed. And if I shattered your childhood, well, now you know how I feel. In just a few moments, we're going to have Noah Howard on the show. And um, he's very acquainted with animals. And we're going to interview him on some of his experiences. We'll be right back.
joining us today on another episode of the Barber's Chair is Noah Howard. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Austin. I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. Hey, you too. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, uh, you still in Florida? Yes, that's right. Currently living in the Tallahassee area. Fantastic. Um, I've I've driven through Tallahassee. Uh, I've never stopped and stayed. What's uh, what's something you're liking about Tallahassee? Well, I I'm really enjoying living in the forest. You know, I'm from Oklahoma, right? Uh, and it's it's nice to see real trees. <laughs> they got lots of trees around here, and it's it's just beautiful, beautiful part of the country. Absolutely, yeah. It's something something a little bit better than uh, than a mesquite tree, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we've uh, we've been talking in this show a little bit about animals uh, before. Now you have been um, around animals quite a bit. Uh, you worked at a zoo. Yes, that's right. I worked at the Oklahoma City Zoo. For about five years. Oh wow. Uh, well, uh, what all? What were your responsibilities? I mean, uh, what all did you do while you were there? That sounds just awesome. Yeah. So uh, I started out actually as a teen volunteer uh-huh. in high school. Um, they they have this awesome volunteer program. If you're a teen, you can apply uh, to come work there. And they'll let and just. It's got pretty. Uh, they'll let just anybody in. Well, it's it's a pretty tough competition. Okay. So, you know, you got to have a nice looking resume, and uh, you know, show that you're cut out for the job. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, you can apply, and if you get in, you have to volunteer a hundred hours Ooh. per year. Okay. But. Um, you get to work in almost every area of the zoo. So wow. that was a very cool experience. Oh, for And that's sure. how I got started there. Um, so I did that for a couple of years, and then they actually offered me a job. Nice. So uh, I worked a little bit in the education department doing mm-hmm. some summer camp stuff. Uh, and then I actually started working in the aquatics area. Nice. I worked some at an exhibit called Stingray Bay, which is basically a, a touch pool with stingrays. Okay. Uh, and and then I was also an ambassador in the uh, aquarium around the sea lion exhibit. And that just meant that I kind of answered people's questions and, and helped guide them around the zoo and that sort of thing. So okay. it's a very fun job. Awesome. Um, I I have to say, um, aquatic things or or even aquariums themselves have always been uh, my personal favorite. So that that sounds really really cool, honestly. Um, so what does a stingray feel like? That's a great question. Actually, uh, it depends on the kind of stingray that you're touching. Okay. But um, if you're touching one that's smaller, like uh, a cow nose ray, they're pretty smooth. Actually, not slimy, hmm. but 
just smooth. Okay. And soft and velvety to the touch. Now, if you're touching a larger one, they feel a little more gritty, maybe like fine sandpaper. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. They feel really similar to sharks. If you have any experience with touching sharks. Uh, about, about the same as touching stingrays, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, now, do do stingrays mind you touching them very much? Like, uh, what makes them aggressive, or is there anything that truly makes them aggressive? Well, the ones at the zoo are... Uh, fairly used to people touching them okay and so a lot of them didn't mind some actually liked it some of them didn't and they were they were more shy Mm -hmm. and would just kind of swim away Uh, it's interesting they all have their own personalities okay now you get out in the ocean in the wild and most stingrays are just going to be shy and not really approach you Mm -hmm. um Unless you got food, okay. <laughs> or, or if you're Steve Irwin, as as it turns out. Yes. That's to me always been one of the greatest tragedies, that uh, with all the alligators that and crocs that he wrangled, that it was it was a stingray that uh, uh, where he met his demise. That that's very sad to me, but. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we get a lot of questions about him. Mm-hmm. It, it was certainly a, a tragedy for the zoo world. He did so much as an ambassador of animals to teach people about them. Right. And uh, I, I think he would have hated how uh, his death has kind of cast this negative reputation on stingrays. Because they're really not aggressive at all. Mm-hmm. They uh, they only act in in self defense most of the time. They just try to swim away, okay. and they only sting if there's no other option. So it was really just a freak sort of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Not not a normal thing. Absolutely not. Uh, in fact, if you come to like a zoo uh, or an aquarium where they they have a touch pool with stingrays. Um, the stingers are always going to be trimmed off. It's actually quite easy. Uh, that the stinger is, it's made of the same substance as your fingernail. And, uh, okay. it's, it's just a long barb, uh-huh. kind of like a bee stinger, but uh-huh. longer. And they can literally just clip it off and it's painless, totally hmm. harmless. Just like clipping a fingernail. Wow. Um, yeah. That, that was going to be my back. be my next question. <laughs> yeah, that's how they do it, and now it'll grow back over time, mm-hmm. and so they just keep an eye on it, make sure it's filed down so it's too short to do anything. Okay. But yeah, there's no danger um, at a zoo of being stung. Now, if you're out in the wild, like I said, um, most of the time they'll just try to swim away. Mm-hmm. So if you don't bother them, then you don't have to be worried about that. Now, if if a stingray, uh, a wild stingray, does sting you, um, uh, does their stinger eventually grow back? Yes. Okay. So it's it's a lot like a fingernail, like I said, uh-huh. same kind of deal. And uh, if it stings you, it's it's a barb, 
Mm-hmm. So like a bee stinger, it, it will kind of break off so that they can swim away and uh, it will grow back eventually. Um, really, the stinger is about something to distract a predator so that they can get away. Uh-huh. So it will hurt, but it's it's not fatal unless it pierces, you know, your heart or a major artery or something like that. Okay. 99% of stings, they're just going to hurt, but you don't have anything to worry about long term. I see. Huh. I I did not know that. I, I'll honestly say I yeah. didn't, didn't know that. That actually makes me feel a lot better about them. Well, this is one of the reasons why I loved working there so much uh, at Stingray Bay is because these questions come up every day, sure. and it it's so satisfying to have these conversations and just to inform people uh, about stingrays. You know, most Oklahomans don't have much experience with the ocean, right? <laughs> and uh, so that was one of the joys of the job. Of course, it also led to some funny moments as well. Yeah, tell us and, about. Uh, <laughs> well, I've I've got quite a few funny things that. Perfect. I have written down. I actually bought a waterproof notebook to carry with me uh-huh. while I was working uh, so I could write down all these, these funny things that happened. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but I think one of my favorites was uh, I had a lady approach me and uh, she asked, so how did the stingrays get back out to the ocean at night? Is there like a... Is there a tunnel that they swim through to get back to the ocean so that they can eat? And, <laughs> and of course, oh. as, you know, as, as a representative of the zoo, you can't laugh in that situation. You've got to maintain a straight face. Right. You've got to say, no, actually, they, they live here all the time, and we feed them. Um. <laughs> funny, funny thing about being in a landlocked state... Um. <laughs> They, they don't actually swim out to sea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's just so sad. But to, to, You know, to be totally fair, uh, lots of people come to the zoo. They encounter animals they have never seen before, never heard of before in their life. And uh-huh. it's just uh, something, you know, ignorance. And right. you, you correct that. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, and I would have to think the hardest part of that question was was trying to keep a straight face and not not just crack up right right in front of her. Of course. Yeah, I've got to tell you another one, uh, yeah. another great one. Um, I was walking past the flamingo exhibit mm-hmm. one time on the way to lunch, and, you know, flamingos are pretty distinctive birds, right? I right. mean, they're bright pink. Everybody's familiar with flamingos. Well, and, particularly uh, in was, Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, there was another lady standing there, and she was standing right by the sign, but I guess she didn't see it. Okay. And she was just looking and just squinting, looking at these flamingos, and after a minute she said, Wow, look at all those ostriches over there. (laughs) There's so many of them. Uh, I just I just continued walking. <laughs> I couldn't do anything about that. Certain certain things just don't deserve an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There That's, was never a dull moment. No. Never a dull moment working at the zoo. Uh, yeah, I I can I can believe that. Um 
No, that's that's funny. I don't care who you are. Uh, so, um, which which exhibit uh, that you were doing um, ended up being your favorite, or which one did you enjoy doing the most? Well, man, it's real tough to pick. Um, actually, my least favorite is probably easier. Okay. Um, I, I can tell you, I, I liked almost every area, except I did not like working around the monkeys. Oh. And anything with tropical birds. Okay. Now, I, I've got to confess, I just, I don't like monkeys. I've never been into monkeys. Mm-hmm. I think they stink. They smell. They're dirty. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't find them particularly enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just don't. Now, apes, apes are cool. Right. But monkeys, I, I'm not into. Right. Yeah. I, the, I can get that. Yeah. Now, the other animal I'm, I don't really like are macaws, which are the, you know, the big, colorful birds from the jungle. Yes. They're just so loud. <laughs> They're so loud, you've got to wear ear protection whenever you're working around them. Oh, really? And every macaw that I've encountered was a jerk. <laughs> they, were just, they were just jerks. They're mean birds. No respect. No, no. So I didn't like those two. But, okay. Um, I liked most of the other areas. Probably the ones that I worked the most in were uh, aquatic, of course, which is why I went on to to actually work there instead of volunteering. Right. Um, I also worked in the reptile area a lot. Ooh, okay. Um, <laughs> that That would be where I would draw the line, but I appreciate those who do it besides me so yeah yeah i understand some people don't like snakes um i i like snakes i'm totally comfortable with them okay Uh, but you know there were other areas involving reptiles that didn't have snakes uh you could work with the galapagos tortoises oh yeah Uh, those those are so cool you know yeah and uh you know lizards and geckos and and that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. there's options okay it's not just solely snakes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see. Now, you you sent me a question to consider uh-huh. that I thought was really interesting. You asked, what do the animals eat? Yeah. And I, I definitely want to hit on that question. Yeah, go for because it. Because so, uh, it's so cool and interesting, the logistics of this. Because you think... You know, a, a zoo like the Oklahoma City Zoo, they have probably 2,000 different animals. Mm-hmm. And each of these animals has their own unique dietary need. Right. And so there's a whole operation going on behind the scenes that you don't even see to feed all these animals. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got what's called the commissary. And it you go to the commissary building and it looks like a regular... You know, restaurant kitchen. They've got the stainless steel counters and uh, walk-in refrigerators and, and all that stuff. Okay. But 
It's devoted entirely to food preparation for the animals. Wow. And, uh, you know, they are trucking in thousands of pounds of fruit and vegetables and, and grains and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. to feed all the animals of the zoo. It's an amazing operation. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you've got a snake in one area of the zoo that needs one mouse each week. And that's all it eats. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a bird over in another part. And this bird has a complex diet of berries and fruit and seeds. And, you know, all got to be carefully measured. Mm-hmm. And the commissary makes sure that every single animal gets everything it needs to eat every day. Okay. It's amazing. Uh, is there specific people that are over these areas that keep very close tabs on all these things, or do they just dictate down, or, or how does how does all that work? They've got an entirely separate staff, and it's their job to to work the commissary. They're like chefs for the zoo's animals. Okay. And uh, they basically prepare most of the food, and they assemble it, and then... They transport it to the different areas of the zoo mm-hmm. where the keepers will then receive the food and give it to the animals. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. It's a it's a very complex operation, but it's it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I've I I personally love zoos, but I've heard people that don't maybe necessarily like zoos for whatever reason. Um, what what is the benefits of a zoo? I, I guess is is a question I would have. Sure, that's a great question, especially now because of this this Netflix documentary Tiger King, <laughs> uh, and you know you know roadside zoos are kind of coming into the public light again. Right. Right. And there's some interest about what's the difference between that and something like the Oklahoma City Zoo. Right. Uh, and there are some big differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest difference is the Oklahoma City Zoo is, is AZA accredited. Uh, the AZA is an organization and uh, they have very high standards for uh, zoos that are, you know, conservation based. Uh huh. So uh, if you go to the Oklahoma City Zoo, you're going to find that all the caretakers there are trained experts. You know, they're, they're real zookeepers. Mm-hmm. They have a knowledge of their animals and, and the, the needs for each animal so that it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the habitats are designed to reflect a natural environment. Okay. So it's not just a metal cage, but... A lot of effort goes into habitat design Mm -hmm. to make sure that the animal is healthy physically and mentally Uh, because you don't want the animals to get bored. Right. Or depressed Uh, or anything of that nature. Yeah. That's a very important part of zookeeping that a lot of people don't think about Mm -hmm. uh, is caring for the mental health of the animals. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's professional veterinarians at this zoo and, uh, like I said, they're conservation focused. So 
a lot of the money that the zoo makes gets put back into conservation projects, uh, helping, you know, support wild populations of animals in their native habitats and Mm -hmm. saving endangered animals and and these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a big difference. You know, a roadside zoo, oftentimes, not, not all the time, but a lot of the time, they're run for profit or, uh, you know, they're participating in the illegal exotic wildlife trade. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are working there, you know, at, at best, they're well-meaning, but they're ill-equipped right. to take care of these exotic animals. And at the worst, you know, they're abusive to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know people like the idea of getting a selfie with a tiger, you know, sure. a baby tiger. That's really cute. It's a cute idea. Mm-hmm. But you've just got to think about, you know, what's going to happen to that animal after it grows up and it's outlived its usefulness as a baby animal. Right. The These roadside zoos, you know, they just don't treat the animals very well. Mm-hmm. So there are some, there, there's some major differences there. Okay. And you know, I've I've not watched Tiger King, but I've I've seen pictures, obviously, you know, memes and things like that. And you know, you were talking about the uh, the habitat that they use, and a lot of these roadside places are just metal cages, and they don't they don't take that into consideration. And part of that, I would think, would be funding obviously but also the purpose that they're having it like you said uh, not really thinking about the end game right um well I was trying to think of something ah, I forgot what it was but um uh, did you have any other stories that uh well I'm, I'm sure you do that that you found particularly amusing oh yes yes um i lots of funny experiences um i think one of my favorites was i was working as a sea lion ambassador uh around the time that we were expecting one of the sea lions to give birth so there was a lot of excitement for this Uh baby sea lion um but i was in that area and i had a couple walk up to me and they asked, so where do we purchase tickets to watch the sea lion give birth? Where, where can we buy those tickets? <laughs> and I, did, I had to explain, you know, that's not really something we can schedule out. <laughs> um, right. So I'm afraid I can't help you there. <laughs> well, yeah. well, the main event is at 6.30. That's... <laughs> yeah that, oh that's so sad you know uh, here, here's here's another thing I, I want to say this it's amazing how many people come to the zoo and they're looking in an enclosure and if it looks like there's nothing in there they just assume the animal's dead <laughs> right. I've never understood that mm-hmm um, and, and it happens quite frequently. Um, 
you know, there was uh, there was one time when I was a volunteer, we were doing a census on the bats. So there's a bat exhibit. Okay. And uh, they took all of the bats out so that they could count them and, mm-hmm. and record, you know, their weights and all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, so, so none of the bats were in there. And we had just finished up, and we got a call over the radio about uh, someone who was just uh, distraught outside of the bat exhibit and was concerned that they were all dead because <laughs> they couldn't see any in there. And, and so we had to go down and console this person. And it took quite a while, but we finally explained, you know, they're not dead. We just took them out to count them. Mm-hmm. And that that idea just blew their mind, you know, <laughs> that we could take the bats out. Never and even considered. Yeah. <laughs> so, just, wow. just FYI, if you're looking in an enclosure and you don't see anything, don't just assume that the animal is dead. <laughs> A lot of the times there there's little hiding places in the enclosure so that the animal can you know, get out of the public eye if right. it wants to. Mm-hmm. If it wants to be alone, you know, it can go hide somewhere. Right. So. I, For me, I think we, perhaps it's a societal thing, we're so used to, you know, the big flashing lights and, and the entertainment aspect that, you know, half the time we're, people aren't even willing to look, you know, if it's not three feet in front of them, they're not even willing to look in the enclosure for anything else. Or like you said, just jump to the conclusion that they're all dead or the zoo killed them all perhaps or something, something along that line. There's some sort of conspiracy. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Very true. Yeah. You know, I will say, um, there were certainly a lot of funny moments uh, Mm -hmm. working there. Um, there were a lot of heartwarming moments too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I enjoyed especially uh, the kids who would come and oh yeah uh, you know because I, I remembered being a kid and that was one of my favorite things was going to the zoo and learning about animals and uh, to be able to then be a part of another kid's experience mm-hmm. was a great thing uh, especially because in Oklahoma City um, we've got several cancer treatment, research centers and so we would have people you know from all across the country staying in oklahoma city Uh for extended amounts of time uh receiving cancer treatment Uh and and we would have a lot of those kids who were going through that uh would come to the zoo and uh, you know we just try to make their experience extra special well yeah and uh those those were always good days when Mm -hmm. we heard that they were coming. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's the kind of stuff that makes doesn't it makes the job so much better. It, like you said, a heartwarming moment. That's that's really awesome. And yeah. I don't know how many other places get the ability to say that. You know that that's a place where kids who are going through a rough time want to come and that's going to be something that's going to lift their spirits and they're going to think about later and um yeah that's a that's a really special thing 
Um, there was one question I was thinking about. I, I finally remembered it. Um, I don't know that I uh, put it in my text to you, but um, aside from like your lions and tigers and bears, um, what's an animal that you would never want to be in the enclosure with when it's angry? Hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Surprisingly, most of the big animals at the zoo Mm -hmm. were total sweethearts. Mm -hmm. And just, they, you know, didn't get very angry at all. They weren't of that temperament. You know, that's an interesting thing is these animals, like, have their own temperaments. Mm -hmm. And... You can you just you come to learn they sort of have personalities and some are very chill, some are more aggressive. Um, hmm, I've got to think here. I mean that's that's fine because because honestly, you know I think it's one thing you know if you're out in the wild I mean obviously. Um, uh, hippo was all, always one of the things that they tell you, you know, stay stay away from because they're very aggressive. Um, obviously, nobody wants to get in in a cage with a large cat that they know really wants to eat them. So, so yeah, that was uh, just a question I've pondered. You know, uh, um, the the answer will actually shock you. Perfect. Because the the one animal that I would not want to be around is actually one that is not in a cage at the zoo. It's one that free roams around. Okay. So, so at at the zoo, we've got, we've got a population of peacocks that are free roaming. Okay. And, uh, it's it's some, you know, they've been there for, since who knows when, you know, they've always been around Uh and they're just kind of allowed to free roam throughout the zoo. And uh, there is one of those peacocks. He's he's a white peacock. His name is Elvis. Okay. And he is one of the meanest birds that I've ever encountered. <laughs> and uh, so if if you're at the zoo and you see Elvis, he's kind of hard to miss. Okay. Just, just steer clear of him. <laughs> um, he he does enjoy chasing kids. He likes to chase after them and scare them. Oh my! And he frequently has to be put in solitary confinement <laughs> because he gets into trouble. Oh, he's he's a uh, 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 what do you call that? A repeat offender? Yes, yes. Uh. He's a hardened criminal. Hardened Elvis is. Yeah, yeah, and he will not be changing his ways anytime soon. So. <laughs> Interesting. That's my answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, are peacocks normally very docile creatures? Is that why they they have them roaming around? Yep they're they're domesticated, and uh, it's it's totally fine to have them in there. They they don't really bother. Generally, they don't bother the animals or the visitors, with one exception. Okay. <laughs> and they—they uh, they don't fly away or anything because that's where they get fed. Right. The zoo. 
So they just kind of they kind of hang out. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> stay away from Elvis. I I I'll take that to heart. Um. Now there there is one one question, and this is non zoo related. It's animal related, actually. Okay. Um. This is. Uh, I voiced my. Uh, disappointment today on the show. Um, me and Amy were uh, re-watching The Fox and the Hound. That, the good old Disney movie. And it wasn't until that movie that I started wondering what a male fox was called. And so I, I googled it and, and I was wondering if, if you know, knew what a male fox was called. Um, or if this would be a shock to you. Hmm. You know, it's on the tip of my tongue. Is, is it called a, is it called a Todd? It is called a Todd. A- after the, after the character in the Fox and the Hound? Right. Yeah, I, I looked it up and it's, it's shattered. Uh, because after I discovered that they're called Todds, and and I and the females are vixens, I knew that much. But but the males are Todds, or or Raynards yeah. is another uh, another name for them. But that I guess that just didn't have the same ring to it. Disney thought Raynard the fox. So, but I I dug deeper. And, and some of these, you, you probably already know, uh, Simba is Swahili for lion in The Lion King. Yes. And Baloo and Bagheera in The Jungle Book, um, they are Hindi for bear and black panther, respect, uh, respectfully. Ah, okay. So, uh, it's... I, I ended up looking up what what mice were called because because if a male mouse was called a Mickey that that was gonna be the final straw for me but but it's not so um, but I, I was wondering if you you had ever uh, heard this aspect of, of Disney brought out you know I I have I have heard some of that. Um, and in fact, when it comes to, to naming things at the zoo, uh-huh. naming the animals, they kind of take the same approach as Disney. Okay. So it's, it's not unusual. Okay. That makes me feel slightly better. Um, do they, do they look at, uh, like different, uh, like the native language where the, where the animal may have originated from? In that way. Yeah, that's a pretty common method. And in fact, I, I've noticed they've started running uh, polls to, to let the public vote on different name options. Okay. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It is, it is it is a little disappointing though because I enjoy some of the uh, the zookeepers' names that they they give to the animals. Uh-huh. Uh, for instance, we've got a pair of American alligators. Named Bob, okay, and Bob's girlfriend, 
and that you know it just has a certain charm to it yeah <laughs> yeah that's but, that's something you don't readily forget either that's it, it's easy to yeah. pronounce right <laughs> easy to remember i don't see any downsides right <laughs> uh now i have been seeing um some of your instagram pictures um of you uh, is uh, you're kayaking right there? Yes. In Florida, and that's right. You see a lot of. Seems like you see a lot of alligators down there. Yeah, they're they're here and there. Although I've been kind of disappointed to find they're they're a little shy. Um, they they don't readily attack you or anything. Oh. I was I was thinking I might have to buy a spear or something to keep you know, lashed to the side of my kayak, but, uh-huh. uh, they, they told me that was discouraged around here. <laughs> I, I see. Apparently, apparently you're supposed to leave them alone. Oh, so. well, <laughs> uh, is there a specific hunting season for them or? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. They just remain. Yep. They're just around. Um, most of the time they're hiding because, you know, passing boats make a lot of noise and mm-hmm. they don't like it. So they just crawl off into their own little little spot away from everybody. I see. So haven't had any problems with the alligators. And, and we hope that you don't. That's, you know, if you do, that's right. if you do, that's uh, obviously not a good thing. Um, yeah, the, the only thing I've seen is I saw a news article entitled uh, Family Almost Bothered by Alligators on Kayaking <laughs> Trip. And that, that was the extent. They're, they might have been bothered by the alligators. It, it was a potential. <laughs> the potential was there for it to happen. Wow. Talk, but it didn't. Talk about searching for a news story. That's... <laughs> We were almost bothered by these gators. It was it was quite something. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> it was terrifying. Oh man. <laughs> uh, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, and telling us about some of these really cool experiences. My pleasure, Austin. It was a lot of fun. Of course, anybody who knows me. Is probably tired of me talking about the zoo, but so I'm so I'm glad to find a new audience that I can annoy with my zoo facts. Precisely. Thank you. Thank you for that. Hey, anytime. Uh, we'll try to have you on again sometime, and and we'll just keep the whole thing going. All right. Yeah, you're gonna have to have me back to talk about Star Wars at some point. Oh yes. I don't, I don't think. Bart Shaw was harsh enough in his condemnation <laughs> of the new trilogy, so we might have to talk about that again I, at some I, point. I think we should. He was he was trying to, to toe the line. He was, he was very nice. He, he was. He, he was. He held a lot back. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll uh, we'll have to get into it because you know it's one of those things for me when I watched it the first time. Um, and you know, almost, almost each one of them, when I watched them the first time, I just absolutely loved them. But subsequent watchings have, 
I, I can't even hardly watch The Last Jedi anymore. And it's it's been ages since I've watched Force Awakens. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to get into this thing. There, there can never be enough commentary on Star Wars, in my estimation. I, I was one of those who read every single book and Ooh. comic, so I, I can go all day. But Sweet. another time. <laughs> Some other time. We'll, we'll get into it. We've got to wrap this up. That's right. Well, thank you so much. back to our final trim here on the barber's chair and just a final note uh, I saw a report this week uh, it was from Fox Sports uh, it was Joe Buck uh, the announcer that um, frankly has always been my least favorite primetime announcer but that's neither here nor there uh, they said that if the NFL does end up having games this year, which I believe that it will, that it may start out in empty stadiums, and they, the uh, uh, the network, may pump in crowd noise. This is my statement, this is my final trim, whether, whether or not they have crowds or not, I'll, that's obviously outside of, of my control, but I implore with every fiber of my being, do not pump in crowd noise. Uh, we've all played Madden on Xbox or PlayStation, and it, it, it doesn't work. Let's, let's just be frank. It, it doesn't work, and, and they should know this by now. And it, that's almost like rigging um, how your reaction is going to be. It's, it's the laugh track of sports. It's, it's a total disaster and I hope that it doesn't come to that because there's a couple games that I would actually like to be at this year. I feel like I'm going to try to go to some more games, um, having a little bit of that football withdrawal. But um, that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, let's hope that doesn't happen where they will simulate and they may... Uh, they were talking about a virtual crowd also in addition to pumping in noise. So if they animate people being in the stadium and pump in noise, we might as well just play Madden online. Uh, there's, To me, there's very little difference. Either keep it without fans and without crowd noise. I would almost rather have that than to know that we've got fake crowd noise. That, to me, is a slap in the face of any logical human being. That's my two cents worth. That's my final trim today. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.